Welcome to Watch Party Wheel of Time. I'm your host, Ruark, joined once again by our panel, very small panel today. Uh, we've got DW with us. Insert Star Trek quote here in honor of David. And we've also got Greg. Hello there. Uh, and then joining us today, we've got two special guests. We've got uh, our friend Jen, who uh, was in the Flight from Shadow fan film with me. Hello. And also joining us is my spouse, Madeline, who was also involved in that production. Hello. And I'm not Black Aja. <laughs> Coming out hard with the denial. The denial seems a little odd. Well, I'm hearing that you're not the Aja that doesn't exist. So that's a double negative. So I think that means that you are actually the Aja that does exist. There are no black dots. <laughs> there are no black dots. <laughs> Uh, well, today we are going to be discussing more about Flight from Shadow, that fan film that we discussed last week. And this week, we're going we're gonna to approach it from a different angle. We're, myself, Madeline, and Jen, we're all involved in the production of this. So we're going to uh, just get into some behind-the-scenes, talk about what we, what we did, what we saw, um, and, and we're going to let Greg and DW ask us any questions that they have about that. And, and we're just going to see, see what this episode becomes. Sound good cool. to everybody? Sounds yeah. good. Yep. All right. Let's get right into it. Um, I think I'll start with my story of how I got involved. Um, it was kind of funny because, uh, I was at work and Madeline, uh, messaged me and said, there are auditions for Randall Thor happening downtown this evening. And as I've said before on this show, Rand was me when I was first reading these books. And there was no way I was letting an opportunity to audition to play the role of Rand Althor pass me by. Even though at that point, I was probably 10 years too old and 30 pounds too heavy. And that's probably being generous on the low side. Um, but I was not going to let that pass me by. So I remember going straight to this audition, like after work still in my grubby work clothes. I had no idea what the script was going to be, but they handed me the script and I'm like, oh, I know this. This is on the road leading into Four Kings. And I got paired up with this other guy that was uh, that had shown up to try out for Matt and we went in and did our audition. And uh, eventually the the casting director contacted me and said, yeah, yeah, you're, we're, we're not going to get you for Rand, but we do have a... a Position in mind for you. And and it was just a featured extra role, which a lot of people ended up with. And that's, that's how I ended up involved in this. Um, Madeline, do you want to tell your story from, from your angle? Because my story kind of revolves around your story a little bit. <laughs> well, I had gotten some kind of a notice. I don't even know where it came, via email or something. And um, as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, well, obviously I'm going to need to call. Uh, Ruark and and let them know about this. So um, we went down and it was over at like an arts college or, or I think an arts high school. And I mean, I don't even think they were they were auditioning for any female roles. Maybe they were, but I had no intention of auditioning. So I just sort of sat in the in the like waiting room. And I have very little experience with theater or. Um, actors or anything like that it was just so hilarious because i'm not i'm kind of an extroverted introvert i'm not super like out there all the time even though i don't like you know i don't get stage fright and stuff 
the folks there, there was like people were tap dancing, people were like singing show tunes. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I am in hell. <laughs> so, it was kind of you, hilarious. You have you have your contemporary and classic monologue prepared, right? <laughs> I was just there to drive. <laughs> I was just there to support. But yeah, like the like these two guys were just like literally like you know tap dancing across the room, like you know grapevine, grapevine, grapevine. I was just like wow. <laughs> and and but, this is how we can tell that Madeline did not spend much time around the theater kids in high school. I was a dancer, you know, we're a whole different world. Uh, Jen, uh, you had a much deeper role than uh, Madeline or I did. You want to explain uh, how you got involved and, and what all you did? Yeah, um, well, I, I know Jen McGrew and, and I've known her for years and years. Um, I met her actually when she was a vendor for the Dark Arts Festival. And mm. so we just started, you know talking and hanging out and i went and which if i'm uh, not mistaken is where madeline and i initially met her as well probably yeah, yeah. yeah probably yeah um so met there hung out with a little bit and went and visited her heard her shop quite often um and she brought it up to me and i'm like okay this is amazing and i need to be a part of this so i ended up uh, going in and meeting with Jen and Raven and and um, a couple other people, I believe. I cannot remember who they are at the moment. No. Um, so they're like, yes, we want you as one of the barmaids. I'm like, awesome, let's do this. And he's like, well, there's two. And there's one with a line, one without a line. And I kind of didn't get the lucky end of that stick because they brought in a voice actor who actually got the speaking line <laughs> you know i was wondering Those about that because actors. it did not seem like your your voice first of all your voice did not sound like you and second of all it did not seem to match up with your lip movement so yeah I was, no i was wondering no, if that I, that was the case yeah so so yeah i didn't get the speaking line but i was a barmaid i handed out drinks and whatnot <laughs> and then um <laughs> I also got roped into being wardrobe assistant, so I helped out with wardrobe. Um, mm -hmm. And then I also, there's a credit on there, which is just silly, as special effects makeup. And all I did was put mud on people. But I still <laughs> credit for it, special effects it, makeup. <laughs> that is Somebody still technically to. set dressing, yeah. 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 yeah, that is how I got involved with them, because I've known Jen mm -hmm. for quite a long time. And she introduced me to Raven, and um, I got to meet Blake. And it was it was it was a good meeting, and it was fantastic. And I got to actually see um, some of the audition processes as well. Um, and I actually uh, so you were there during some of those auditions. Some of them, at, at... yeah. I had to actually audition, and I was not told okay. that, so I actually did have to audition. Ah. Um, <laughs> And I actually brought them Ogre, um, who played the the um, executioner. So I, I mm. actually found him and brought him in because I've known him too. Maybe you can expand a little bit more on your role with the the costuming. Um, how did you get involved with that? I we I know that Jen was most likely the lead costumer. It was actually did Nancy you and like... Cannon. Nancy oh, okay. Cannon was the costumer. Um, 
and Jen just recommended me for that as well. Because I'm like, I will help out however you want. I also wanted to, to talk to you about uh, something. Uh, you are involved with the local Rocky Horror Picture Show Shadowcast. Yes. Is that correct? Yes, yes. that is correct. Um, yeah. Uh, and the the one of the people in there is also the riffraff from the Shadowcast. If yes. I'm yeah. He, he's no longer with us, but um, yes. And I did not know he was going to be a part of it until we started filming. And I'm like, oh, hey. Oh, interesting. <laughs> That's funny because yeah. I always assumed that you probably brought him uh -uh. in or the other way around, no. but oh, interesting. <laughs> um, yeah, I bring that up because I was, uh, in our recap, I was referring to him as Riff Raff because even when he's not playing Riff Raff, he looks like yeah, Riff Raff. He does. Um, and as soon as I said, called him Riff Raff, DW chimed in and said, well, where's Magenta? And I said, actually serving beer. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because I I totally was expecting this that that they were referring to general riffraff of town, and I'm like, oh, I'll be the one to bring up the Rocky Horror reference. <laughs> oh no, I'm completely wrong. This was a Rocky Horror reference all along. You're completely wrong. You are completely right. Yeah, <laughs> I do that often. <laughs> So the actual filming, uh, the day of filming that, that Madeline and I were involved in, that was uh, the, the exterior shoot that was all of the town exteriors going on. Um, and that was in Provo, Utah. I believe um, it's called the, the Provo Castle. Yeah, it's uh, the castle. It's quite lovely. It's a really beautiful spot. It's like this park with this beautiful tower. Um, yeah, and interestingly enough, like all of the filming locations took place around the periphery of this giant amphitheater. Like all of those those stone walks and stone walls were just uh, ways of leading people into this amphitheater. And we kind of staged in the center of the amphitheater for for most of our staging. And it's kind of interesting that you, you know, of course, this is how movies work, but you don't get the sense of that huge open space nearby at all in in the show itself. Yeah, it was it 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 really looked like sort of a Renaissance festival to me. That's where I thought yes, it was yeah. filmed. So Yeah, very much so. Great job with the locations. I'll admit, yeah, it looked like that to me. I was kind of looking around trying to figure out what festival it was. I didn't mention that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of it was just the ramps with the stone walls on the side, the yeah. pathway. Yeah, impressively done. Mm -hmm. Impressively um, done. And then if I'm not mistaken, the the uh um in interiors were also shot there. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And everything was built to put in. It was a blank room. So basically everything was added into it. All the woodwork, everything. How how many days did y'all um, film down there? Just two. Two. No. Wow. Yeah. So, so one day for exteriors, one day for interiors, yeah. most likely. And yeah. boy, was it hot. Very long oh, days. Yes. It was like sixteen-hour yeah. days. It was, it was long. Yeah, I, and... I, I remember the the day for exteriors. There were a lot of extras there. Yes. Um, I, I couldn't even begin to count how many. And yeah, we were all just kind of wilting under the heat. It was it was pretty brutal. Yeah, our our medical people on on set were giving people ice packs between takes to put underneath their clothes, and it's just yeah. <laughs> It was pretty now, where miserable. were the ice packs when I was overheating? I could have used some of that. <laughs> I remember being very worried about the guy who played the executioner mm -hmm. because he just looked like he was suffering. Like yeah. he would, in between takes, he would just sort of well, slump 
and just look exhausted. Well, he was wearing kind of leather. pretty much black leather head <laughs> yeah. to toe. So, and yeah. He's a huge guy, and then he's always that leather, and then he's got that enormous axe that he had to swing. The hammer, hammer. Yeah, hammer. Oh, hammer. Okay, right. And I just I just remember thinking, gosh, like, like I was very concerned about his, his health. Yeah, people you know, were keeping there. an eye on, on him, so everything was good, but yeah, it was yeah. it was long and and arduous there. <laughs> and and do you know any uh, of the reason behind the the choice of the hammer in that scene? My theory has always just been that finding a large hammer like that is far easier than finding a large axe that one that a headsman could use. Yeah, I I think it was just Raven making it and saying, "Yeah, this is going to be it now," and it's it's safer definitely safe yeah. and it definitely seemed to make it made it seem a lot more brutal yeah definitely axe is clean a hammer not so much yeah yeah playing gallagher is not nearly as as clean as just uh <laughs> no. taking it off at the neck further into that as as far as uh the props and things go i know that myself um I brought a lot of props to the set with me um and and I believe that was a request that they put out to extras was mm -hmm. anything you have that might be medieval please yeah. bring with you um how much of of that set do you think was brought by the extras and how much was was provided i think mainly the big stuff was raven um he built mm -hmm. all the tables and benches and all of that and then the uh, yeah and all of, all of the interior yeah. obviously yeah but i think a lot of the outside um is it was more of like the jeweler that was there. I believe it was one of his um, pieces, but I'm not a hundred percent that he brought his own table set up and all that. There was a whole display at the, at the local library of all the parts that Rafen had made. Yes. At one point. And it was really impressive. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing that display both at the local library and at uh, the the first uh, Salt Lake Comic Con. Oh, and, yes. And it was impressive then. Um, um, I remember they, they had displayed the, the horse armor and, and the mirror draws outfit and some of the other outfits. And and uh, like a bunch of the uh, the woodwork, like the interior set from the the interior of the common room, yeah, yeah. like a lot of those, those supporting beams and stuff weren't actually part of the, no, the, nope. the actual building they were put in there. And, and so those supporting beams with like the torches on them mm -hmm. and stuff were part of this display. And it, it, it was really interesting to see how much they actually had to build in order to make that, that scene the way it was. One of the pieces that impressed me was the, um, the game board, the, the giant game board. Table. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So, so for the, the scenes where the, the Taviran are obviously affecting the dice roll, um, they made a giant, uh, dice table and, and giant dice with magnets in them in order to film them making those rolls. But by, by giant, I mean, the, I would say the dice were a little bit larger than a, than Rubik's cube. Yeah. Not like yeah, you know, it's not about four inches or so, two feet across or anything. Inches. But yeah, yeah. So they're yeah. pretty good size, and yeah, and I guess they had the regular size one for some of the scenes, and then this huge one for when the the dice would flip. I'm I'm still impressed that didn't end up in somebody's game room. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing to say that it didn't. We we didn't get in touch with everybody who was involved in the show. <laughs> yeah. 
You find out who it is. Don't play dice with them. One piece that I recall that was interesting, um, when we got there that morning, um, you know, they, they encouraged us to to bring our own clothes. And um, I wore this sort of uh, lovely um, dress made by my friend Donna. It's kind of like a, a corset top. And um, and I was a little bit scared to wear it because I wasn't sure if it was going to get messed up, but luckily it didn't. But we all went down to some kind of a, um, a dressing room area where they further styled, like they added a little lace collar sort of thing to around my decolletage. Um, and I had brought my camera because I'm a, a photographer, a hobbyist, but I brought my camera and I ended up uh, being asked to photograph all of the costumes um, front and back so that there would be a reference library of what the costumes looked like in case there had to way to do some more filming at some point. So that was a that was interesting. I still have those photographs someplace. Like everybody, like standing there, like 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 uh, mug shots or something. Everybody from the front <laughs> and then everybody from the back. Of course, Ruark's back nice. back image is like completely ridiculous because <laughs> of course well, they like stuck out their butt and like t- took a sassy pose. Well, you have to cock your hip to the side and get your butt to show off, right? <laughs> I mean, exactly. what, what's the point of doing a shot from behind if you're not going to do that? Well, and they were clearly trying to get in character because all of that read in that moment. Yes. Yeah, very much so. Yes. Very much so. <laughs> um, yeah, so filming my moment, I want to get into that for a second. Um, it, it was just a, a couple seconds on screen that I was on screen as a featured extra. And I remember we refilmed that probably five or six times. And, and, I thought that might be excessive, but I'm not a director, yeah, so no, I don't that's, know. That's pretty and, normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, yeah. I remember um, the the actor that uh, that was working with me, he was the gentleman who was supposed to pull me off of Rand from trying to beat Rand up. Um, and every time he pulled me off and got and got me turned around, he would say something different to me. And, and <laughs> half the takes, he would just bust me up laughing. I don't even remember what he said, but he would say something that I'm in the middle of acting like I'm really angry. And then he would say something and I'd lose it. And <laughs> if nothing else, that's why we ended up taking six takes of that, that particular scene. Um, My kind of moment. Yes. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember um, getting into that scene and that is one of the first scenes was as Rand and Matt are on their way into town and I remember the the actor playing Rand um, asking for what his motivation in is in this scene and, and where they've come from and where they're heading and blah, blah, blah. And I immediately turned to him and started telling him Rand's motivation, where they were just were, what they're going to be doing next and blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and then I turned around and realized that the director was staring at me. And I was like, oh, well, uh, please. <laughs> and the director was pretty much just like, yeah, that. <laughs> nice. But uh, I guess that's that's the thing that you usually end up with when you invite nerds onto your your fan film set. Yeah, I, I will say the fact that you apologized and yielded is probably how you shined, because there are a lot that don't. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then yeah, there was another scene that both Madeline and I were involved in, and that was the the uh, um, trial of of the blacksmith. And we were both just in the crowd in that scene and, and fairly nondescript. I was far enough back that you didn't really see me. I was just a body taking up more space. 
but uh, that was also an interesting scene to film. Um, do you have any recollections about that, Madeline? Well, um, so I was, because my dress was pretty, I was um, supposed to be sort of uh, acting as like a noble woman or something, but everybody in town is pretty, um, pretty, uh, to, to quote uh, or to paraphrase uh, uh, Monty Python, even the noble people had shit all over him. Yes. <laughs> so, um, so Jen, I guess, had paid applied to, by Jen. Yes, exactly. Jen had smacked me around with some mud, so I had like mud on my face, like on my forehead, um, and Jeez. and I was told that I, I'm an, I'm a noble woman. I've fallen because everything is going really bad in this in this town, uh, and then we were just supposed to yell like you know curse the guy and and you know we were angry with him because we think he's the reason everything had gone badly in our town and so yeah it was a lot of standing i had a massive migraine that day like every anytime we weren't actually filming i was literally lying down in the the amphitheater just like moaning in pain <laughs> so so all that yelling was really unpleasant <laughs> but yeah so we were just supposed to like yell and like uh, i think you know maybe like throw clods of dirt or something. I, maybe I'm imagining that maybe we were just miming throwing clods of dirt, something like that. But uh, yeah, we did that multiple takes, uh, at least three or four, I would say. I'm sure they had to get different angles for one thing. So. Um, and yeah, and unfortunately for you, you brought, brought that absolutely gorgeous dress from arsenic fashions, by the way. Yes. Um, and, and, like the top two thirds of your face are the only thing that ended up on screen. Yeah. And, and I just thought that that was a shame, but there goes the way of movies. Yeah. Um, Jen, I, I know you were also involved in, in the uh, exterior scenes. Um, where did you show up in that? Um, I was not in those i was just crew for those oh you were just crew mm -hmm. i remembered you being on set i figured you probably filled in in the background as an extra somewhere but i not i for guess the i outside. misremembered just i was just the barmaid for the inside uh, well what can you tell us about uh, crewing on that day what 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 was your involvement on that day and and what fun stories do you remember um well for that i was mainly wardrobe um and so getting people dressed was was a challenge sometimes like uh the pants they that jen had for rand were too short they were about six inches too short so we as we, was rand yeah <laughs> well, I mean, it's kind of fitting yeah. um, but... <laughs> yes but imagine you in those shorts yeah they'd be knee highs yeah Coolats. what we did is is we wrapped material around his calves okay um to kind of hide it showed his skin. So, so were you trying to just wrap it around to make it look like the leg extended longer, uh, yes. or were you wrapping it around like <laughs> like a Viking wrap? Type it, thing? it was kind of we we got it from that, and like yeah, they used to do this. We can do this, yes. So, but it was to yeah. cover. <laughs> I'll tell you, is somebody just watched it and didn't know any of that? It did not stand no. out. Yeah. It, 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 it did not. It blended nicely. I, with I'm, the I'm not sure we ever even saw Rand's feet. So, yeah. <laughs> but just know that we were all in. <laughs> you were on top of it yes. just in case. Yeah. 
Um, so how many people would you say showed up with their costume pretty much ready to go? And how many people did you have to really work on? Um, the extras mainly had their own because that's what was, was asked of them. We yeah. did do little, little things here and there, of course, like Madeline with the, with the neck piece. Um, but and, yeah. and making sure their their Oakleys were period appropriate. Yes, everything like we had to make sure it was covered if it wasn't appropriate. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a challenge at some points, um, but it was good. It was good, and so mainly it was just the extras who brought their own. So anybody who wasn't an extra, like more of the main characters, uh, we mm -hmm. dressed them, and a lot of um, the clasps and things were all handmade and. So they, they kept coming apart and I know I had to go and, and keep fiddling with it during, in between takes and stuff. Um, cause we actually had a horse and carriage there yes. for one of the scenes outside. And, and so I, I had to keep fixing the, the cloak of the, the man who rode in the carriage cause it kept coming mm -hmm. undone. So I was on hand. Anybody have a story they want to tell? Oh, the food. I remember the food. Yeah, there were some <laughs> oversights from the production crew, um, specifically in feeding the extras that yeah, day. Yeah, I was, was going to say, I, I, I seem to remember the food being just several pans of, of pad thai showing up. I thought it was, I thought it was spaghetti. Yeah, well, it, it might it have been spaghetti. Italian, it was it was noodles of yeah. some sort. Yeah. Yes, and yeah. having been on a few sets, uh, sometimes the pad thai can look like spaghetti, and you're really not sure which it is. <laughs> <laughs> I spent some time on uh, a Steel Magnolias oh, cool. TV show set. <laughs> I don't know if can believe that such a thing existed because um, I was I was dating a guy who was in the, on the the crew, and it happened to be, it was happening on my college campus. And he invited me down to come to the set, and like nobody was eating that day, so he like sent me over to the craft table. He's like, "Go eat," and I mean the food was amazing, <laughs> like piles of of, of uh, boiled crawfish and like so much oh. food, and nobody was eating. And so you know, I have this <laughs> well, I think craft services in South Louisiana <laughs> is probably quite a bit different than craft services in Salt Lake City, Utah. Yeah, <laughs> there, there are also just those those uh, craft services people that you want you like, there's a guy in la that if i see him working on the set i know it's going to be a good lunch like i see him occasionally he actually wears funny like teenage mutant ninja turtle shirts and if i see him on set i know it's going to be a good day but we've never got and i've still never gotten crawfish so i'm very jealous <laughs> <laughs> well i mean I, again and you know still being always was a kind of a big deal although the tv show didn't go anywhere so i certainly couldn't have expected that but i was not i was honestly expecting a little bit better than that that terrible spaghetti yeah. And there wasn't enough. Yeah, I think that's they, we were the short. There wasn't handed, enough. Definitely. Food is so horrible. Yeah, in such small portions. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know, I don't want to rag on them too much because I mean, this this was a no. big production that they were putting together with a shoestring budget and trying to yeah. and working by the seat of their pants. So I mean. Oh, the yeah, fact that we, there yeah. was food no, there, that's, that's a yeah, plus. Yeah, the fact that they provided any food at all and, and thought that far ahead. I mean, I think we brought a sack lunch with us just in case and ended up eating that. But yeah. It... Yeah. And and I, and I should say that, like, it, you know, I I remember that it was it was more of a things hadn't gone quite as planned rather than a like intentional yeah. thing. Yeah. And, you know, but I, I 
because I was in so much pain that day, like I have very few good memories of anything <laughs> happening that day. Like that that day, I I we left that and I was like, never ever again am I acting? Am I doing anything anything of that nature? Which I mean, you know, being on set for the long days, they're not generally quite that long because I was on set for sixteen oh. hours a day, and. Yeah, wow. most filming is not that long. You can go yeah. up to 12 usually, but no more. <laughs> Apparently not yeah, a union. DW, what are the union rules that you, you work under? So that that's the thing. Is, is SAG actually has a thing once you get to 16 hours called golden time. Mm -hmm. And if you can get to golden time, it's great for the SAG actor. That, and it actually kind of makes up for the fact that you've been on there long. Uh, the minute you go into your 16th hour, you earn an eight-hour day pay for that hour one minute in and there's an, whatever you're getting paid as your eight hour block is paid for that hour on top of all of the overtime you've done if you go into oh, wow. a 17th hour another eight hour day so if you're getting you know 240 for eight hours you're getting 244 that hour on top of like everything you're else you're oh, getting wow. so usually they don't want to go into golden time um but every once in a while sometimes the cost while, is worth it can it. happen yeah, yeah they, and that's basically what they do is they kind of calculate out okay how long how much how much more expensive is going to be for us to bring everybody back tomorrow and do this scene again like let's just do it pay them pay them we'll, we'll be fine yeah well i'm sure that they only had the the location for that weekend because it's a very popular location for like yeah, weddings yeah. and all kinds of things and so i'm sure that you know that was a lot of it and um like like I said, even though I was miserable, <laughs> um, I was really impressed with so much of what went on. Like sets were truly beautiful. Like you know, I was really impressed with yeah. all of that. Um, the uh, the costuming was lovely. Um, the the talent, the the important actors were pretty awesome. They were they were very very polite and nice and like not jerks, which you know <laughs> I wasn't sure what would happen there, but they were super nice. Um, I thought the kid who played Rand, I should say kid, the gentleman who played Rand was really pretty awesome. Yeah, and and uh, I, I I just found out recently um, a a friend of mine who is also a huge Wheel of Time fan locally just said that she was. Uh, work, working in a local play with that actor who played Rand. So, so he is still doing some acting locally. We nice. know that much. Yeah. That's good. That's good. They did a good job. I've seen some fan films that, that you, you could probably like chase away people who don't like bad smells with. So like, this was, this was actually a good film. Mm -hmm. It was. I mean, having, having seen the other, the other piece of Wheel of Time media out there, floating around i thought it was about on the same level of, of yeah. you know we, we didn't have billy zane <laughs> yeah we, we were still there's that. a billy zane <laughs> yes. one yes that 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 one we will be watching further in the future um, <laughs> oh, I, I, I will refrain i will i will refrain i love billy zane but i have to say i thought i mean when i finally saw that one i was like oh well there are, I mean, this one that they did here, I thought they did a, a pretty good job on for, you know, for, for knowing that it's a shoestring, yeah. knowing that, you know, it's a fan film. You know, you, you probably are going to lower your expectations on a lot of those things. But, you know, I I, I liked it. I thought they mm -hmm. did a good job. Um, and I think we're going to take a minute right now just to go to break, uh, get, get our uh, commercial in here, and we'll be right back right after this. 
Hey, have you heard about our sponsor, Four Cats Boutique? So I just pulled up their website to have a look right now, and I am seeing bookmarks, earrings, uh, jewelry, pr- art prints, um, cards. I see uh, Fantastic Four. I see Moon Knight. Wheel of Time is here, Star Wars, lots and lots of fandoms, lots of really gorgeous artwork, lots of collectibles, things to hang on your wall. Definitely a site worth checking out. And of course, Lord of the Ring things as well. So definitely check them out. That's Four Cats Boutique on Etsy. That's number four, cats with a K, number four, Four Cats Boutique. Check them out. I have new respect for DW's job. Yes. Oh my gosh. <laughs> And we are back with our discussion of the Flight from Shadow filming uh, with part of the cast. And Jen, uh, I wanted to ask you about the other days of filming that Madeline and I weren't involved in. Uh, we don't have any stories from those days, but I, I hear that you do. So uh, maybe you can yeah. tell us. A, I, I hear you have a funny story about the the uh, missing scene that our, our panel didn't get to see, which, which was yes. filmed out at the Salt Flats. Um, it was, and I, I was not there that day because I was not available. I had to work my actual day job, but um, the stories I've heard, they're great. Um, there's one, it, it was really sunny, so they had the canopy up, of course, to protect the equipment and where people could go and rest, but it got so windy that they had so many people holding the canopy down trying to keep it from flying away. It in the behind the scenes pictures and i believe i sent you some of those um you could see it they're just like oh my goodness (laughs) (laughs) have them blown away Um, and then tom who plays one of the characters um he had to drink he could he couldn't eat at all he had to drink through a straw i I assume he's the one who's playing the mirror draw yes yeah our 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 Panel does know that there was a mirror draw there. They just don't know who the mirror draw was talking to. Okay. And I won't say anything more. <laughs> but just know he couldn't actually eat that day. <laughs> yeah. Um, having spent some time out on the salt flats, I can tell you not being able to to get drinks of water very easily would be horrifying. I, I couldn't even mm-hmm. imagine being... In, in that makeup out there for that long. That- Having spent some time in full face prosthetics, I, I bleed for him. <laughs> I, I feel sympathy. I've been there, my friend. That costuming was amazing too. That was just like yeah, it was it was all handmade and it was handmade everything. Yeah, I wish we could have it seen was- more of it, but Rurko let us. Uh, hey, you guys are the ones who decided you wanted to be spoiler free. I, I yep, was, yep. I was willing to let you guys be as spoilery as you wanted, and you, you decided to take this route. So, don't, don't be mad at me for enforcing <laughs> I, your uh, rules. <laughs> you blame us for, I, the answers we made ourselves. <laughs> well, so my question would be, was, and, and you guys may not know the answer to this, but. Is what was the inspiration? Was that literally taken from? I know there was so much descriptions in the books. Was that something that was somebody who's working on the film's design, or were they like following a description in the book? Um, they were following the description in the book as best as they could. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so- it it differed from the description in the book in very few ways. Um, like the the armor that it was wearing was was an overlapping scaled armor, which is what is in the books um it, it's very serpentine in form which that looked like a snake's belly so i would say that they nailed that 
Um, the only things that I would say are somewhat different are the cloak, which was moving in the wind very much so. <laughs> and um, the, the actual eyes, the actual description is that the upper part of their head is just smooth as an egg. And obviously, if they had done that on the prosthetic, then the, the actor would not be able to see anything. So they, they went with more mm -hmm. of a strange skin stretched over the eyes in a bar pattern kind of thing, which which still worked. It was still terrifying. It it still had the eyeless feel. And yeah. Interesting. And then, Jen, uh, I wanted to ask you about also the the other day of filming, the interior shots. Um, again, Madeline and I weren't there for that. So, uh, if you have any fun stories from that, we'd love to hear them. <laughs> it was hot. <laughs> Just think of, of filming outside was hot. Filming inside was so much worse. It was like an oven. It was so hot and they piped in, um, smoke oh. to make it smoky. And it was, it was, it was kind of miserable. Um, you know, like I was saying before you put ice packs under your clothes and and we had to take breaks and drink water between takes it was it was brutal but it was worth it um and so they obviously were filming during the daytime for most of that yes yes we did some in the evening but but a lot of it was was in the daytime yeah i, f I feel like the evening stuff was probably the uh the horse-drawn carriage pulling up yes yeah yes and that was fun. That only took a few takes to go through. I just checked. We filmed on April 28, 2012. Okay. So, okay. So it has been 10 years. It has been 10 years. That's, that's and, a long time. And surprising that it was that hot that day. But yeah. Yeah. The, oh, I, I just remember how brutal it was. It was brutally hot. It's funny. I don't really remember that much, so much for myself, but. You were going through another experience, though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you don't have time to feel hot when you're feeling headache on top of it. Yeah. Uh, apparently, I had hoped that I would be sent home because my costume was all wrong. Uh, <laughs> my, my, my Facebook post is, I hoped my costume would be judged all wrong and sent home, but nope. Living the exciting life of an extra, aka, AKA a peasant. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> Uh, so that, that interior filming, um, like how many takes did it, was it to, to get some of those scenes? Some of them, it was a lot, um, uh, with the executioner that, that took quite a few takes because, you know, he's, he's an unexperienced actor and so they had to get it right. Um, but I think for the most part, it went pretty smoothly. Um, no more than, you know, five or six takes for the most part. But what was the, the, uh, oh, what's the word I'm looking for here? What was the atmosphere like on set? Was it kind of a, a nose to the grindstone, get stuff done? Was it a lot of camaraderie? Was it kind of stressed of camaraderie. out? Okay. There was a lot of camaraderie, um, some stress, but it was just trying to get it all into one day. Yeah. And seeing, okay, we have to move on. We can't do this again. Stuff like that. Yeah, that, that, that's, those were a lot of scenes to get done in one day. That's for sure. Yes. Yes. And different angles, different takes. Yeah, it was, it was long. It was brutal. But the <laughs> end product was actually amazing. 
yeah, it it was quite amazing. Um, I can definitely something to be proud of. I, I I remember I saw it for the first time when it debuted at at some convention down in Provo, um, and then I did not see it again until I actually watched it in preparation for this podcast. Um, and I uh, when I watched it again, I realized how good it actually was at the time. I could not see how good it actually was because I just saw how bad I was. <laughs> and 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 didn't want that we're our own worst case, yes. that's for yes, sure and, and just the thought of seeing myself in it just just was horrifying so i did not watch it for for the better part of a decade but getting ready for this i actually i've had enough distance from it that i'm like oh okay actually yeah i i, I look like a tool but that was 10 years ago i should have looked like a tool 10 years ago well and that was the character <laughs> <laughs> you play a tool um, so do you have any stories of, of like, uh, the characters playing Rand and Matt, for instance, what were they like on set? Very buddy, buddy. Um, they would, between takes, they'd go out in the amphitheater, they would sing and, and do cartwheels. And I mean, it was really, really fun. I really enjoyed all their antics. It was great. Yeah. I do seem to remember that, uh, lots of song singing taking place. Yes. Yeah. I suspect they might have been the tap dancers from the, <laughs> from the audition. <laughs> did, it's very possible. <laughs> did they know each other beforehand? Were they buddy buddy before, or did I they don't do... believe so? Interesting. It's nice when you can get that kind of chemistry right off the bat. It really is, yeah. Especially for two people who are supposed to have lifelong chemistry with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say Matt and Rand should have that that best friend vibe going for them, and and these two definitely kind of had that even though they obviously didn't know each other beforehand. And, and, you know, obviously somebody in the casting saw that and went with it. Well, it can also just be a kismet because you can bring in two phenomenal actors and they just don't mesh. That's so bringing in two actors, I mean, they probably Tom did Hardy some scenes together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah, so it, it, it's, it's lovely when you can get that. If you, yeah. if you are able to, to strike that, you know, hot iron, fantastic. Um, and, and were you there when, when the, the big scenes in the storeroom went down? Did you see any of that happen? Yes. Yes. So it, they made a false wall and, um, and they were able to pull out the window. It was where the bars were Mm -hmm. and they made that wall and they were able to pull it out. So that entire wall with the window in it was a new interior wall in the interior space. It yes. didn't actually lead outside at all. Yeah, it, it was a doorway. Oh, interesting. It was an actual doorway <laughs> that they put it in, yeah. And and how crowded was the space itself? I mean, in, in the show, it, it feels just absolutely claustrophobic, and I can't imagine it was that claustrophobic in filming. It wasn't quite that small. I believe it was probably um, four by eight, so it wasn't tiny, tiny, but it's pretty small. Yeah. Well, I, I guess that's a good thing that they had the brand new at the time red cameras so they could actually fit a cameraman with a camera in that space with it. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, from the from the actual beginning, do, do you have any um, recollection, any of you, do you have any recollection of how, like, did they, were there a request for rights? Was it something they just knew they'd have the right to do? If anybody was looking to do a fan film now, like, I know all the hoops that they seem to have to jump through. How many and hoops I, were had I to don't... jump through at the beginning? know that i didn't i didn't get in that 
far in. I, I got in towards the end of the pre-production. Yeah, I, I don't know what went in behind that. I know that they've never really gotten any pushback from from any of the rights holders on it because I think it was recognized as just a fan thing for fans by fans mm -hmm. without that's what I with, without a, a monetary attachment to it. There have been some really cool and interesting fan productions out of Utah County. We're like a, like an absolutely amazing uh Harry Potter video, for example. Is this connected to the same folks or was that just a I don't know. Because uh the umbrella name that they went under for this is the Wheel of Nine yeah. Productions. So it was very so clearly that put would together be the name for attached this. to it yeah. if it was them. Yeah, no. but there there is a huge nerd population in Utah. Um I don't know why that is, but we had a a Comic-Con startup here a few years back and it within its first year became the third largest Comic-Con in in the United States. So wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so so it's not a not shocking to me that we get a lot of fan films out of out of this area. Yeah, well, I mean, and, and Utah County in particular seems to just have like the super strong uh, fan film cosplay realm. I, I would say that's because Mormons don't drink, so they have a lot of extra money to put into things like fan films, <laughs> and 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 for the most part, they're theater kids. Oh my god, I have I have known so mm -hmm. many Mormon theater kids growing up. Sure. It, 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 it's 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 that, but also it's good, clean fun. I mean, yeah, right, you know, very there, much so. <laughs> there's there's not a whole lot that can go too terribly wrong with you know with this sort of material, you know, be it Star Wars or Potter or Wheel of Time or anything else. So, yeah, and at the, or even just the Renaissance festivals or something like that. I mean, we have the Evermore Park, which I haven't been to, but I hear it's phenomenal. Well, and of course, there's also the whole Brandon Sanderson connection yeah. that might. You know, a lot of people might know about Wheel of Time because of his connection yeah. and being a local. I, I would say Wheel of Time was probably popular in, in the local culture before Sanderson's involvement, but it exploded after Sanderson's involvement. Is Sanderson yeah. from Utah? Uh, Sanderson is part of the dominant religion here. Um, and gotcha. he's not from Utah, but he does currently reside here. And, and he uh, is actually a professor at BYU. Gotcha. Okay. okay. And, and they a kind of a member in good standing of the local nerd community too like he he at least at one point would go play magic the gathering down there and like you uh, know apparently it's not terribly unusual to run into him at things you know at events and things like that just being him you know just being himself not necessarily representing what, what did what did dw and greg what did y'all think of the the film i really enjoyed it yeah, Greg. I, yeah, I thought it was really well done. I mean, you could really see that there was some, there was a lot of thought given into it. There was a lot of work that went into it, and it showed on screen. It's it's good stuff. Did did y'all go into it knowing that Rurik and I had uh, were in the extras? No, or was that a? <laughs> that was. Did you recognize us? Yes, that was as far as like, hey, hey. <laughs> so I know I have mentioned it on past episodes of the podcast. I didn't realize I it don't was necessarily, that film. Yeah, yeah, I don't necessarily remember you guys. Expect you guys to remember everything. I I will put forward that it has been of conversations Ruark and I have had outside of this podcast 
in the years that we've known each other. And so I had my suspicion. But I didn't, again, I didn't know it was this one in particular. And then when I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah, now I know where it was filmed. <laughs> and Greg, you actually weren't here last week for our, our deep dive into the lore. Uh, I wonder, no. do you have any any thoughts or questions about the lore that you didn't get to get answered? Uh, I, not, not, not off the top of my head. No, I haven't watched it since, you know, for two weeks. So, yeah. uh, but, uh, yeah, I was just impressed overall with the production production values um you know i i look at at film from a technical end of things and the fact that you're able to get the the effects and the the camera work was really really great i was really impressed by that if i can put it this way and and i have friends who've been in these and i i so i i love my friends and i support my friends but um there are sci-fi movies that get released on regular basis that could not hold a candle to this thing. That, like th those are productions that like people threw full money at mm -hmm. and and made a a thing that got put on TV on a major cable network. And yeah, this this outshined them. Um, so like literally go, going into it knowing that it could have been something on par with. Uh, to use a more popular one that everybody loves to hate, Sharknado. Um, <laughs> the acting was better. The the effects were better. I, I would the, say like, the scenery was better. In the case of Sharknado, they know what they're going for. And That's they, true. They I'll hit their mark. That, that they knew what they were going for once it had its popularity. That first one, they didn't know. You, you believe they, that was that nine, one was in earnestness? I, I will not admit that i possibly know people who um may have worked on that film um but uh i i may or may not have played uh role-playing games in their conference room um the company that made Treknado. um but yeah the first one when that hit it was like it was the same type of movie that they made on a regular basis and then it hit and they were like yeah when they made all those others oh yeah they knew what they were making and they knew the audience they were playing it for right. and they kept going but they to this day still make movies like that and i may or may not have been involved in one of them in not that long and i'm going to stop talking uh, no no don't stop talking i want to hear about uh i want to hear about these fan films that you've been involved in and that you know that oh, people that's made. the thing these aren't fan films oh. these are, film these are films. full productions oh full productions okay yeah. these are the things you um, see on sci-fi network and things like that yeah yes um anaconda yeah. um shark gator versus octa <laughs> alien yeah. like these are these are productions now i will say that there's a portion of them that are done in a model um that is uh has kind of a twofold usage it's for making content so in these streaming services want to have like we have 10,000 films these guys make content so quickly that they can provide and bulk up that without being major names they also tend to follow the trend so if some major production company is doing a live action, say Aladdin, they can make a live action Aladdin because it's common, you know, yeah. to common uh, property right. to be able to make a story about Aladdin. And they can make that in a third of the budget in a third of the time. And it's out there. So somebody just searching may stumble upon their movie and they get watched for it or they yep. get so, bought for yeah. it or what have you. So I, back in the days of Blockbuster, I used to refer yes. to those as grandma confusion movies. Yes. 
They, and the, they are. The, yeah, those, those are the like transmorphers right next to the transformers on the shelf. And if I, grandma I, doesn't I, know the difference and rents you the wrong one. And I they will make tell you right now that the same production company that made Sharknado makes transmorphers. <laughs> <laughs> Did they make Santa Jaws? Pass the poster for it. They're awesome people. And I am not in any way in any way talking badly about those people and I'm oh, not no, no, being no. sarcastic or anything. I love the people at that studio. Did they make did they um, make Santa Jaws? I don't think so. I, I didn't see I that. I saw one. that one. That one came up. It's like, okay, this is the most ridiculous thing. So I go to watch it. And it's it one of the stars is a guy that I knew. <laughs> and it was like, wait, wait, what? You know, I, I had that same thing. There was one that was like Doom. It wasn't Doom Patrol, but it was Doom something. And it was about like a Nazi serum that turned people into killer robots kind of thing. Nice. And it was that same bad, like low budget, done quickly. And one of the guys I went to college with and used to read lines with was in it. And I was like, oh, my God, it's, it's <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> <laughs> but in that same vein, I, I'm not as easily seen. I'll go ahead and leave this as a little Easter egg for anybody who really cares. <laughs> um, it, it, so the, the movie was actually done by uh, a gentleman who's both been my GM in role-playing games as well as a good friend of mine, and he was given his chance to direct one of them. Mm. And so he brought me in as both as, as a respect and as his friend. He brought me in both as a VO artist and I'm actually in the film um, but it was a it was an attempt at a version of War of the Worlds. It was called Alien Conquest. It is out there. I believe it's on Amazon. <laughs> okay. Um, and in Alien Conquest, uh, at the very beginning of the thing, there's an astronaut in space who gets killed. I'm the voice of the astronaut. I was not the astronaut. He's CGI. <laughs> um, and then later on, I carjack the lead actor. Nice. Um, it's very brief. Uh, like okay. it was, and but now to to put it in perspective, and this is why when you guys are talking about a three day turnaround, this is a two hour movie that had probably a four or five day shoot. Wow. Oh, wow! And and so the day that we did at this one property that had like all of these sections of the property, while it's in the middle of L.A., it's all made to look like kind of forestry or jungleish or not not really jungleish, but but outdoorsy. <laughs> And so they just kind of divided up the property. Okay, this is going to be used for this scene, and this is going to be used for this scene. And it's like 10 feet further down the driveway, but it's a completely different state in the movie. And they had one day of that property. <laughs> wow. So all outdoor shots were shot on that property in that one day. Wow. So so and hopefully so they had the same costume throughout the entire movie. So oh, no, full do... costuming department wow. off to the side and changing them out if they needed to. Yeah, that's about and they they fed us well. They took care of us. They and they bust their butts. They put that thing together. But they are given a low budget and a short amount of time to put that stuff together, which is why it's so. It's so basically, they're they're is. going with the Robert Rodriguez mm -hmm. type of filmmaking. They just don't actually have the talent of Robert Rodriguez to pull that off. I I would put forward that I think, given all of these circumstances, even Robert Rodriguez might find some difficulty. <laughs> well, I mean, that, I, that, I, I, that's how El Robert Rodriguez makes things like like uh, um, Sin City on a budget of like twelve dollars and a pack of chewing gum. Right. So I, I, yeah. I get that. I get that. Now remove the pack of chewing gum. Oh, okay. Okay. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> if you don't get like, yeah, if you don't get the chewing gum, how are you going to keep stuff stuck together? Yeah. You, okay. Exactly. All right. Like I can that, see it. It binds the universe it. together. Well, you know, when you're all out of chewing gum. 
<laughs> and bringing it all back around. Thank you, Mandel. And I feel like we're running out of steam, so maybe we can put a pin in this episode. Say thanks, as usual, to Michael and Jen out at the Secret Watch Party Island headquarters. Thank you, Michael and Jen. Thank you, Secret Island. Yay. And we also want to thank Madeline and Jen for being our special guests today. Thank you so much, Madeline and Jen. Thank you, thank Madeline, Madeline and Jen. And Jen. Thanks for having me on. It's really fun and like different. And it was a, it was a, yes, definitely. It was a fun thing to take place, to take part in, in retrospect. So <laughs> 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 I, I'm glad to have that. I have that I did. I'm glad to have done it, <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty awesome. So thanks for letting us talk about the it. The doing was worse than they have done. Yes, definitely. Thank you. And of course, if you want to uh, get in touch with us, you can reach us whatwatchparty at gmail.com that's for our mailbag segment and uh, at whatwatchparty on all of your major social media platforms you can get in touch with us and with that being said final question for the panel you have an unlimited budget of chewing gum to make <laughs> a fan film what fan film are you going to make I don't even need time to think about this. <laughs> it would be Piers Anthony, uh, Spell for Chameleon, and I would want to play Trent. I would want to do Children of Time, uh, which is a novel by uh, Adrian Tchaikovsky, which is about spiders and is absolutely Ooh. amazing. Mm. Oh, I, I know your love of spiders. And I would want to do it as this little, sort of uh, uh, watercolor um, animation style. That would be fantastic. Yeah, that great. Oh, beautiful. I'm, I'm going to have to invest in a lot more chewing gum to get this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will donate some chewing gum to that yeah. project. Buy Hubba Bubba stock. So my favorite author, and I've been reading her forever and ever, um, is Laurel K. Hamilton. Mm. She does, it's, it's kind of police procedural and smut all in one nice <laughs> um so so what she, the the beginning of the books she was um she works at a place called animators inc which is they raise the dead and they ask people can ask their questions of the dead and things like that Ooh, that's um, she's concept. also a consultant with the police and that was the beginning but more on it gets so smutty but i w would want to be anita blake and just see a day of her going through her police push stuff, her case, and then also raising the dead for people, family members, um, historians or whatever, to ask them their questions and just focus on that aspect of her. And I think myself, um, I would probably want to make a, a Wheel of Time fan film and it would just take up the portion of time between the beginning of the first book and the end of the last book. <laughs> um, Not ambitious at all there. But but I think I want to do the cast as Muppets. There you go. <gasps> that would be so cool. <laughs> there wait, wait, can I, I have a return question on that. Who's the one human? Uh, obviously me as Ruark. Okay, okay. cool, cool. <laughs> but, but there are arguments for you being a Muppet. If I was going to do anything like that, I would like to do like an extend, it's short, uh, a short film, but an extended version of the uh, 
the whale and bowl of petunias scene in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. <laughs> just more of the I internal monologue of the whale. I, I would just like to see that in sort of an animated uh, form. I think I'll call it ground. I wonder if it wants to be friends with me. <laughs> I just want to play the, the bowl of petunias. Oh, no. Oh, not again. <laughs> <laughs>